0: Hi, I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop, and thank you for finding your way to our Mental Health for Performance podcast. We are all about staying well, being excellent, and finding ways to lead our teams to success. And we're not just talking about sport. Yes, this podcast series began with heroes in our midst, and we talked to so many Olympians with incredible stories to share, and we still do that. But we have branched into the Mental Health for Performance side of things, too. Brought to you by Pinnacle, your recruitment firm that has been proudly on the job for the past 20 years. Because we know that many leaders are looking for ways to help their teams be successful without paying too high a cost on the wellness side of things. So we have invited Dave Angus, President of Johnston Group, to join us. Dave was also President and CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce for 17 years and is a passionate leader who cares deeply about the people he leads. So you're in for a treat. There's so much we can learn from someone like Dave. So let's get to it. And Dave, to be clear, this is not about sport at all. It's about you, Johnston Group, your thoughts on leadership, and your passion for it all. So thank you for joining us.
1: Well, it's great to be here, Michelle. Thank you very much. I am the opposite of an athlete. So you really have the other, other end of the spectrum for sure, just <laughs> to be clear.
0: Okay. Opposite of an athlete, perhaps... Uh, on a court or something, but uh, inside probably exactly the same Because you know I mean, <laughs> being president, you're, you're like a coach of a, of a massive team.
1: <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. So, so if I, when I opened your website, okay, if I open, you know, if I look up Dave Angus and president Johnston group and all that, it says, how do people want to be taken care of at work? And that's actually even one of our rapid fire questions. What do people want from their workplaces? And I'm, we're going to save that for later. But, Um, It just struck me right away, like, this is perfect. Because we're talking about, you know, we're talking about our work, our life, our play, our, you know, whether that's in sport or whatever field. And uh, I just think we're going to glean a lot from you in your position of leadership there at Johnston Group and even just what you guys do. so Dave let's start with just Johnston group in general okay we, we're a, you're a benefits provider we know that but but can you break down what you do like what actually does Johnston Group do and what your mission is
1: yeah we're what's called a third party administrator uh, which is you know a term that nobody really understands including people in the industry but we are really between the advisor and the insurance company. We do everything except take the risk on insurance programs. So we will design insurance programs for uh, different groups. We will administer them. Uh, We'll collect the premium, pay the claims. Uh, We'll we'll provide the service as well. So we do uh, really all the nuts and bolts of, of administering group benefits for different groups um, and benefit programs that we administer across the country. So we're a national company, we do business across Canada, which is great because we get a great national view and we know all the regions have their different nuances as well, um, which really makes the, the business quite interesting that way. But this company has started in Winnipeg back in 1983 with David Johnston and his father Art and uh, started with a handful of people and kind of a dream. And what uh, I've always respected about Johnson Group is how it started, because it started with a higher purpose in mind. It started as Dave Johnson looked at the group benefit space, where the small business community and those entrepreneurs that struggle every day to get their business going, want to look after the employees, really couldn't, didn't have access to really good group benefits. So his mission from day one, 1983, and in 2023 is the same, is how can we provide really good, affordable benefits for small businesses in Canada? And that has defined our, our biggest plan, which is our chamber chamber plan that we work with over 800 chambers across the country. So I've always respected that about Johnston Group. And it's easy to start that way. It's tougher as you grow to keep uh, that purpose in mind. But, but Dave, through his leadership, has been phenomenal in terms of staying true to the mission. And... Uh, so it's been uh, it's been great, and we've seen tremendous growth. And uh, we've got a great team here at Johnson Group, 335 people. Uh, we deal with 300 advisors across the country as well, all you know, part of their local communities. And so it's really uh, it's really great company. We do other products as well. We have a sign up product, which is our indigenous products. We work with 350 indigenous organizations across Canada. they have very strong, uh, passion and commitment to reconciliation and to uh, supporting Indigenous uh, people and Indigenous organizations through really good benefits for them as well. So, um, yeah, it's been a great uh, it's been a great ride so far, but uh, really proud of the company that uh, has been built here.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love how how much you guys focus on small business and how that actually becomes big business in that you have so many small businesses and that is a step for small businesses isn't it from hey i'm going to start this business to ooh, now i have some people working for me do i have enough to provide benefits and you, you must lead a lot of small businesses from that one step that's a pretty big step for a lot of them
1: yeah we see a lot of growth and a lot of the a lot of the yeah. step we find was a step that that dave johnson took is moving from a family business to a non-family, hiring non-family members is a big step mm-hmm. for a lot of these companies. And so what, you know, beyond the family, what are the needs of these, of these, uh, of these individuals that are joining your organization and, and how can our benefit programs actually uh, satisfy those needs? But I'll be honest with you, in today's world, um, we're seeing more and more non-traditional benefit companies and organizations like restaurants, those in hospitality are now recognizing they need good benefit programs that's one of the first questions that uh, that candidates coming through the door looking for work are asking, what is your benefit program? So we're seeing uh, an increased importance of good benefits for really small companies and even non-traditional uh, parts of the marketplace. So yeah, it's exciting. Yeah.
0: yeah, I like that. And with your focus on small, you, you're already ready to personalize things. I, I wanted to talk about that a little, like 1983, I don't even know like most businesses or companies, even coaches and teams, they weren't too concerned with the wellness of, well, if I'm talking about sport, coaches weren't necessarily concerned with the wellness of their players. They were concerned with, can we win with these players? And in business, in the business world, can we be successful and make money with these players, with these employees and that? And um, I'm sure the Johnson Group has seen that change from when it started to to now even, just even the whole culture. And I mean, I guess even you talking about so many more non-traditional benefits providers surfacing. But it seems to me Johnson Group always had that personalized approach in mind.
1: For sure. Uh, But we did change with the industry. And so, you know, a lot of the initial elements of group benefits was all around insured offerings. So it was, uh, you know, protecting people against catastrophic loss, you know, life insurance, disability, critical illness. But as, but what has evolved is this real focus on wellness and how can, a group benefit offering provide resources to employees for more preventative measures around mental health supports, around other types of health uh, supports that are in place within a group benefit uh, piece. And I think that's where things will continue to evolve. More of a focus on preventative, getting more of your employees engaged with wellness initiatives um, and self-management tools that are now available. And um, so that's that you know, also gets us very motivated because we like that movement. Like we we are all about health outcomes. If we can, we have a role to play, and if we can see how things that we do can really impact positive health outcomes for Canadians, uh, that's 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 why we're here. So it's uh, yeah. So we have we continue to see an evolution of the marketplace, without question.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it, it's just making a lot more sense too, in in a lot of ways where you know companies weren't even thinking about that, and now they're moving into wellness before catastrophe, <laughs> for lack of a better word.
1: Yeah, and a lot of that is coming from the employees, like in terms of them articulating needs. And, and I think things have, have grown, uh, have deepened that way through COVID uh, because yeah. there's so much now about wellness. And it's not just about wellness in the workplace, it's just wellness overall. Like employers looking at their employees and understanding that the employee brings all kinds of things around them in their, in their personal life, in their professional life, all these things are connected and their wellness is uh, driven by uh, that environment. So uh, I think what's one of the positive aspects that came out of COVID is just a closer relationship between employers and employees on the whole person care. Um, And so for us, both for a company that employs 335 people, we've seen that, uh, but for our customers as well and looking to us of how can we you know, provide resources to them to create a, a, a better relationship with their employees and really be in tune with their needs going forward. So
0: Yeah, that makes me think of how COVID really e- e- evened us out, didn't it? It didn't matter if you were CEO or if you were like sort of the lowest in the totem pole, nobody could go to work and nobody could leave their homes for a while. And it made us all realize, I think we actually are all in this together.
1: Absolutely, without question, because we're going through the same thing. I mean, yeah. it, it, was, it was about... Uh, you know, at the beginning, very much protecting ourselves collectively uh, in terms of from a health perspective. And so uh, and the virus doesn't pick and choose based on status. (laughs) Right. We needed each other and we needed to kind of come together and and really protect uh, one another through this process. So I think that did help that relationship because we've always viewed, and this comes from Dave Johnson as well, that the relationship a company has with its employees is a partnership. You're in this together. And that's how it should be viewed. We need each other. We need to collaborate. We need a, a common goal and objective. And I think that really was important through COVID uh, and probably increasingly important coming out of COVID.
0: For sure. When you talk about personalizing benefits and, and listening to employees within your organization, but also to your clients and Some might think, isn't that a lot more time and a lot more work? And does that really translate into success business-wise for you guys? How how would you view that? You know, the extra time and the extra manpower maybe it takes to be listening to so many people instead of just saying how things are going to be.
1: It is fundamental to our business. Uh, That's where we need to spend more time, Uh, particularly now because things have changed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our customers' needs have changed. Our employees' needs and priorities have changed now's the time to listen. If if there is ever a time to listen, it's now. And so it's worth the time because uh, what is worse is not listening and not hitting the mark in terms of meeting needs of either customers or employees because that's really what's gonna impact your business. And so you need to structure uh, your organization around that listening. Uh, How do you get productive input, both for employees and customers? Uh, What are the questions that are important to ask? Yesterday, we just had all of our managers. We have about 24 managers here at Johnston Group. And I'll be honest with you, that was the group within our organization that had the toughest job. Uh, Everything landed on their desk. When we were moving people home, when COVID first started, nobody wanted to go. Uh, The managers had to work with employees, understand their needs, get them home, all the needs for communication through COVID, in terms of how we're going to communicate and how we're going to get our work done, all of the personal issues that employees had that they had to deal with, managers had to had to be there, and then returning to work was the same thing. It's trying to get people back to work. And so our managers, um, from a mental health perspective, for sure, had significant have been impacted significantly. And so listening to them, so we had a great session with them. We had roundtable discussions, listening to what were their issues. What are the things we need to do as a company coming out of COVID to make it easier? How can we get your your job back to one that you really enjoy, that's fun, that's fulfilling? Uh, So it was a really good discussion and worth every minute of that conversation. It's really going to dictate our strategy going forward, no question. So listening is fundamental right now to business. And um, those that don't uh, will pay the price, I think.
0: Um, Some leaders, I think... I think they worry that if we listen and we have too much input, right? Where will that, where will that leave me? Where will that leave me or how will I still have authority? And what if work is, you know, work ethic is lagging. How do you instill that, you know, those in your team are still, or is what you said going to make sure that they are motivated if they're having a good time and they're in a place they love to be?
1: it's, it's It's a balance, uh, because employees want to be heard. They want to provide input, but they also want leadership. And so they want, you know, the company to make decisions and to move forward and bring them with them and and bring them to a a better place. So you you, you do need to balance it um, in terms of the listening and engagement with action. And as long as that action is grounded in really good, good insight um, and understanding, I think that's what's key. And so it's funny, you know, sometimes this uh, kind of notion of servant leadership uh, is about you know serving others, and that's great. But there are times when the organ- when the employees want want someone to lead, <laughs> so there is a balance in terms of listening and action. And I think the um, the good leaders that that I really respect are the ones who really find a really good balance there.
0: So talk about um, Johnson Group's involvement in the community.
1: I've been here six and a half years, and when I came on. Uh, Dave Johnson asked me to kind of take over the community investment portfolio, <laughs> and I got to tell you, Michelle, I needed an algorithm to figure it out. All these different organizations that we're supporting—it was—it was, it was uh, overwhelming in terms of the contribution that this organization was giving back to the community, and we continue to do that. What I also recognize, Michelle, is how important it is to the employees, you know, from a higher purpose perspective. The, the, the employees wanna be part of an organization that is committed to community and is helping and making a difference. And so we, you know, Dave Johnson's approach to giving, uh, which continues today, is that our community has lots of needs and we're not one trick pony. So when you look at our portfolio of giving, it really does define all the different elements of our community, including sport, in terms of what we support. Um, and so uh, it's part of our DNA. And uh, we'll never get away from that level of giving because it is so, uh, you know, it it defines us in so many different ways. But it is so fulfilling uh, as someone like myself who can get to know these organizations. But but there's another level to our giving, Michelle. And I think uh, companies are also grappling with this is how do you measure impact? Because that's also important. And so what we're now launching is an initiative, a higher purpose initiative, actually really focused on our impact of our giving, both in terms of community, uh, but also in terms of the indigenous organizations that we support and what does that mean for reconciliation, Uh, our diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, priority here at Johnston Group, and what are the organizations that we're supporting that uh, support uh, diverse communities um, youth would be another one uh, we talked about wellness and mental health in particular what what uh, you know where, where are we investing there so how do we tell the story of our giving and impact that our dollars are having and be able to ensure that to our employees that we are making a difference for the dollars and here are some of the stories that that uh, these amazing organizations that we're supporting so.
0: and measuring that impact it just is more motivating for the future to do even more so Absolutely. How do you choose which organizations that you guys work with? I mean, there's a whole, there's such a big list. When I I was, you know, researching and and thinking about what we were going to talk about um, and talking about, man, like that is a vast list of charities that you guys support. And so it must be difficult. You must get a lot of requests coming in. And I, I think it's super cool that a benefits company really wants to benefit the community in more ways than just one. So how do you approach that?
1: uh it's not easy uh because there is so much need and we're seeing it out of COVID as well um you know we were just talking to some companies similar to ours and they really noticed uh an escalation of asks right now both in terms of existing organizations needing more resources and some newer organizations that we've never given to approaching us for for help so so there's so much need there so it's really difficult we've had trouble saying no (laughs) because once you get once you hear the stories and you know you you want to you wanna be there for them. So it's it's not easy. What is important to us though, is that we're very uh, easy to approach. So we don't have uh, you know, some committee that we can say is gonna make the decision, but you'll never be able to talk to them or present to them or not. You don't know, have this whole structure that you have to try to make out some kind of application like you're applying for a loan. We wanna be very uh, open to having a discussion. And sometimes we'll have to defer decisions down the road because we're fully subscribed, but we want to hear the story. And, and you know, we did, uh, when I first came, we did some round tables with staff. So we'd have 10 or 12 staff at a time. And, and cause I wanted to get a sense of the values of the organization when I first started. and So we asked them, you know, why do you work here? What are some of the things? We had great conversation, but with every one of those round tables, we would bring in one of our community organizations that support supported and they would tell their story. And that was always the best part of it because people just loved hearing what great work these organizations that they were supporting uh, were doing. And we would ask them besides money, what, you know, what's, how how can we help you? And the number one thing they said is, if you can just be a champion, if you can help tell our story, if you can, you know, because we're really proud of what we do, but we're so small, we can't amplify the message you could help us with that that would be fantastic and so at the very least we can do that and we can be their champion we can tell their story and tell and share some of the great work that you know frankly these organizations especially to COVID, these are heroes working on our behalf uh, in our community doing amazing work not doing it for the money uh, doing it because they have a higher purpose as an individual and they deserve our support and so uh, we always try to find a way to help as many organizations as we can, because not just for those that they help, but also the people that are doing it on our behalf. are just so, so amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, this might be an obvious, but um, you obviously have seen in your employees some, you know, some people might be thinking, well, oh, that's a lot of extra. I got to pour into my company to Get, give my employees the opportunity to give back to the community, but obviously the benefits far outweigh the extra that it is uh, in terms of above and beyond the work that you do in your workplace.
1: For sure. And you know one of the uh, motivating factors for me to come to Johnston Group uh, was uh, I was at an event and Johnston Group was being uh, presented an award for community giving and Dave wasn't there. So our VP of IT went up there, Ed Zegers, and he said, you know, we're motivated to grow. Our motivation for growth is so that we can give more back to community. I thought, boy, that's that's a really strong message. And then I I came to work here and it's absolutely true. And so when we talked about (laughs) our growth, you know, and so a lot of companies are really focused on numbers and you got to hit that number and that's what it's all about. And for us as a staff, it's about here's our number, but this is what it's going to mean to our community giving. And that's what people get motivated. about. And so there is a culture here uh, that not only is organically developed, but also we attract people to the organization who have that motivation. And uh, so it's very much driven by the staff itself. We really have zero issues in terms of trying to justify our investment. They they're very proud of that.
0: That's cool. And you hear nowadays, too, I mean, places of work are looking for employees, especially after COVID, you know, trying to encourage people to actually work. And I think back in the day, you know, just the salary was enough to get someone to put their boots on every morning and get to work and do their nine to five. And really, that was just work. And then they would fill their lives with with their own things. That's changing, isn't it? It's not enough for people anymore, is it?
1: No, we're seeing that in the uh our new applicants, like in, you know, with people who are applying for jobs here in terms of the questions that they're asking. Cause in today's world uh, we don't interview them, they interview us. And so we need to have some good answers and we need to demonstrate reality behind those answers. And there is a lot of questions around community giving. So they'll, they'll probe more on that. There's a lot of uh, questions around reconciliation in terms of what's our stance on that diversity, equity, inclusion comes up almost every time. And so, and I love it. I mean, cause these are the principles upon which we want to stand on. And if those are the principles, these applicants are really important to them, then, then we know this is a great, great home for them. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, so we're, you know, that's it's things are changing and evolving. I know that there's been a lot of discussion coming out of COVID of how the priorities changed. And one of the, there was a priority ahead of COVID around higher purpose that people want to work for a company that's making a difference. Uh, but I think that's escalated. I think more and more coming out, uh, people want to work for organizations that really are demonstrating that they're making a difference and they're committed to, uh, to certain principles that uh, these, are, these employees can, be, can stand behind and be proud of because they align with their own values and principles. So, yeah, it's, it's great for us as staff, but also in, in terms of recruiting people to our organization, uh, our higher purpose approach is very much uh, a priority.
0: Yeah. It's interesting how much benefits are about keeping employees well for for employers who hire them. Right. We want to protect they want to protect their employees and make sure that they are well taken care of. How do you make sure that your employees are, are well taken care of and are and are well and are mentally well? Do you have processes in place or.
1: Well, it's, you, you almost have to take a look at that two ways. One is what did we do through COVID? because things changed dramatically for everyone through COVID. And our approach, and I've had a lot of discussions lately with some other business leaders around how you went into crisis management. And so everything wasn't about the long-term at all. It was about either putting out fires or trying to avoid fires or making quick decisions and and just doing things. It, it It was phenomenal how quickly we made decisions through COVID. Uh, never would have thought we'd have been able to move that quickly. Uh, and It's a lesson, actually, when you, you know, need to act. And so a lot of things that we needed to make sure right from the get-go was that uh, we gave the employees confidence that the organization is going to continue to exist. Because I remember the day that they announced a global pandemic, uh, and it was on a Friday. We pulled together our senior management team that Saturday morning, actually, to start process through which we need the strategy Uh, and the first thing we had to do is bring confidence to the employees that uh, they're still working for an organization that's going to continue to exist and continue to thrive and do what we're doing so we needed a plan and so that had to happen first and then as we went we needed to look at the employee experience through in a COVID world and so we implemented uh, a lot of uh, programming digitally largely we get some wellness programs we had a wellness piece every monday uh, we had uh we had some we have a gym here actually the johnson group but all the gym stuff went virtual in terms of yoga and other types of things to keep people engaged uh, we have a sort of an employee engagement platform called work life work uh work life wonderful actually it's called and uh it's sort of a branding kind of the, you know the, making a wonderful place to work and live um And so there was regular programming on that, uh, different communications, different videos, some some training opportunities. Um, So it was it really was about doubling down on employee engagement because everybody's isolated and they still they needed a connection back to the company. And so and we tried to, you know, one of the big challenges from a mental health perspective was the lack of certainty through COVID. So really focused on how do we create as much certainty as we can for staff, certainty of their job security, certainty of, of the health of the company, but also certainty in terms of the, the importance, their importance to the organization, the appreciation for what they're going through, and our empathy in terms of some of the challenges that they're feeling. It was, it was important for us to have that kind of engagement and bring as much certainty as we can to them to, to help them get through this time. So, so there was a lot, that we did uh, to, to engage as best we could to with the employees. I did uh, a regular video with the employees, kind of updating uh, the employees on, on what's going on. I'd have guests on that video from different parts of the organization. Um, and I think people appreciate that because it was just this connection back to the company. And so um, there was a lot that we did that way. Um, and it what's fascinating, it, it's absolutely connected to what we actually do as a business. So through all of that, we were also looking at what can we do for our customers to help them get through it. So we created a COVID site uh, for information on COVID for companies to actually use to to distribute to their employees. So there was a lot going on, um, and all with the uh, intention of kind of wrapping our arms around our employees and saying, you know, we're we're together, we're with you, we got your back. Let's. Let's get through this together. So that's, uh, you know, it was, it was tough. It, it went by fast and it went by slow all at the same time. It was yeah. <laughs> one of those moments in time. So
0: It certainly yeah. was.
1: But now it's, it's, Michelle, I think, you know, I also had recent discussions around this is uh, as organizations, we have to spin out of this crisis management mode. Um, and even in the discussion we have with our managers, it really was about what's our vision now what's our direction. People are kind of getting back to what's the long-term view and what's my role in that. So you have to get out of this crisis management approach, which is all about putting out fires and looking at better planning and, and, you know, a new strategy and really understanding what, how the changing priorities have taken hold in terms of uh, of our employees. And so, so it's, uh, so that's kind of the path we're on now. We're kind of resetting and now we're planning new and it's exciting
0: it's exciting how much we have learned through the pandemic but that's interesting you say that because I haven't thought about that a lot we really have to recover in many ways where maybe all of the we can we we've implemented things that are great to keep and yet now we have to say okay we're not in that crisis anymore we can actually move forward are all your employees actually back in buildings now or
1: we have, we went to a hybrid as many companies have. So we've enabled them with the technology to do hybrid. So we started actually November was the time we did a pretty slow burn there. So we started asking employees, can it come back maybe once a week just to try to get back? And, and so we tried to slowly evolve because people needed to adjust, right? And uh, so now we're basically a hybrid model. Um, it's kind of a three and two model with flexibility because um, hybrid you know flexible work arrangement isn't about a three and two it's about being able to handle all the pressures of life and your work at the same time and having the flexibility to do that so it's uh we're still working on it but uh, that's where we're at right a hybrid model work
0: so much good advice that has been given to us from you in terms of a leadership standpoint and your company and but so before we go to our rapid fire questions and Learn more about you and your company. Um, what about Dave Angus, though? You're the president of this big organization, right? Um, just, I'd love to hear a little bit of your path on how you got here. And I know you love where you've landed. And and what was your path like in terms of becoming the president of this Johnson Group?
1: Well, the path really leading to this job started with my previous job, which was I was the uh, president and CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. So I came from the chamber movement. Uh, it was a five year gig that turned into 17. And um, cause it just kept me interested and there's new projects coming in. And, and and so that kind of the community part of this role is what really was important to me to be, if I'm gonna move to the private sector, it has to be a company that's really integrated with the community. And so I, I, yeah, I ran the chamber for, um, for 17 years and got to know johnston group through that because i was on the uh the the chamber planet set up as a not-for-profit actually so they have a not-for-profit board and i was on the board for 17 years i got to know dave johnston got to know johnston group and so when dave approached me and and trust me michelle it was um, the interview for me was uh, it took a year and a half <laughs> because dave didn't know whether i was the right guy for the job i didn't know whether i wanted to go to the Johnston group and so we would do this dance for a year and a half. And uh, finally, it just absolutely li- uh, aligned, I think, on both sides. And uh, best decision ever made. So it's uh, so I'm loving the, loving the role now. But a lot of it came from uh, getting to know them through the chamber, but also my grounding in the community really aligned with the nature of this organization. So that was a big part of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sounds like a team a lot of people will want to be a part of, for sure. We yeah. so. Okay, I have some rapid-fire questions to ask you yep. To, yep. To, to top it all off here. Um, describe a scenario, Dave, when you had to think on your feet.
1: Uh, well, the scenario uh, that comes to mind most quickly uh, was that first day of COVID. Because I you, there, there's no playbook. I mean, you talk to people who went through this, there was no playbook for this. This was brand new. Uh, and so everything was thinking on your feet, including the intuition uh, that Saturday morning to bring the senior management team together. Because so I really didn't know wh- how we were going to frame the discussion. I just knew we had to get together. So I think that beginning of COVID and, and, and the days after that immediately was very much... A kind of a nimble process and having to think on your feet not really having any kind of insight against which you can make decisions so that moment would would you know really stands out uh, from that perspective for sure
0: yeah of all the times i've asked that question i've never heard the first day of covid that's a really <laughs> great answer because wow we were all in in whatever wherever we were yeah what do we do now right know, exactly you think on your feet and you just we all yeah. had to do something.
1: Well, I mean, I had no time to research anything or, you know, or, you know, even have discussions or consultation. It was action needed to happen pretty immediately. Yeah,
0: yeah. And actually, we didn't even know what to research, right? It was like, no. has this ever happened before in our lifetime? <laughs> um, no, actually. <laughs>
1: That's it, exactly. <laughs>
0: anyway. Okay. What is your happy place if you have one?
1: I do have one. Uh, and it was one, uh, it was an investment my wife and I made through COVID. Because we weren't traveling, so we thought we'd treat ourselves. We bought what's called a swim spa. So it's a spa that you can actually swim in. Because they have the you can turn the jets on against you, and you can do actually swimming. So it was good. We needed some place to exercise and to. But what's been great about it is that uh, for both my wife and I, it's we've had we've had amazing conversations in our swim spa the last year. Like it's just been, and it's, it's therapeutic and it's relaxing. And we're in there almost every day. I come home, we hop in the swim spa. So that's my happy place for sure, without question.
0: How do you define success?
1: Uh, We talked a little bit about it more as I get older, I'm, uh, success for me is defined by impact. Uh, Both whether it's impact in the community, impact here at Johnson Group, or impact in individuals' lives, particularly those that work here. Uh, in terms of helping people with their career advancement. So how can I provide a positive impact is how I would define success.
0: Tell me about a time where you felt underqualified.
1: Well, uh, number number one, every time I get a new job, I feel underqualified. Um, But probably no more so than this job here, actually, Uh, just to be perfectly honest. Um, That's what took so long, actually, to come on side. It wasn't that I didn't want to work here and work with Dave Johnson. I, I didn't know whether, I didn't want to set myself up for failure. And I was new to the industry and I knew I'd be working with people that had years of experience in the industry. Um, and I knew it was a great company and I, so was a lot of risk, I didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> yeah. This, absolutely, when I took this job was uh, that moment. I had struggled with some confidence coming in, to be honest with you, so...
0: What did you do about that? What did you do about that feeling of feeling underqualified?
1: I listened. <laughs> <laughs> I met with seniors uh, management and just listened. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't a threat. I wasn't going to be somebody that came in with all these new ideas. It was going to change everything. Uh, that I was here to listen and to support and, uh, and create strong relationships. So so that was the approach going in. And that's what worked. Uh, it helped uh, really Help me get into a role that that I can still make a difference in uh, but also really have strong relationships with those around me.
0: How do you have conversations with people who have more power than you?
1: Well it's funny because uh, I learned a lot through my time at the chamber because uh, I would be dealing with senior business leaders and I dealt with senior politicians uh, including premiers and mayors all the time and uh, one of the things you have to recognize about people that have more power than you is they probably have as many insecurities as you do. (laughs) And they, uh, so it's very important to take the time to understand them and to understand what drives them, what motivates them, what's important to them. Um, Because then out of that comes respect Uh, because you've taken the time to get to know them and they didn't have to mask their insecurities with sort of power. Uh, And so it really was that. I always had really good relationships with business leaders, but political leaders as well, because I understood the environment or I I, I learned the environment that they were in and how challenging it is. uh, And I respected their role. And so, uh, yeah, so that was my strategy. And I learned that through the chamber and it uh, has served me well today for sure.
0: It seems as though mental health is about things you cannot see. When do you see it?
1: Uh, I see it uh, in myself and there were a couple of moments through COVID and I've shared this with staff actually where uh, I wasn't feeling well and I didn't really understand why and so I remember uh, having a discussion with my wife we'd sit down and you know we'd always try to talk about how how, how's the day and I was saying I'm not not feeling well I don't know what it it wasn't COVID it wasn't anything and so we started talking about what was going on. And I realized the, at that particular moment, there was, a fairly, there was a significant amount of stress involved in my life. So I realized at that point, clearer than ever before, that I was having a mental health challenge and dealing with my job and dealing with my life. Um, but what was really helpful was the self-analysis that went into that and the self-monitoring, which I continued to do to see how I'm doing. And what was really helpful is I had somebody to talk to about it. Uh, somebody that, you know, cared as much about me as anybody. And uh, so both of those were really important is ability to really self reflect and self manage, but also to have somebody that you can, you can express how you're feeling too and have a conversation and talk through it. So that to me, probably more than ever before was a real clarity around mental health. And I, and I saw it in myself. And so now it's helped me actually as I deal with other people that are under the same kinds of struggles and advice that I can give on that and and try to be that sounding board, the person that can listen. So uh, that's where I've seen it clearly.
0: Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. What, in your opinion, is the biggest change in people post-pandemic? We touched on this a little bit actually through our conversation, but what do you think is the biggest change in people since covid
1: uh, well, we've talked about the two biggest changes from an employee perspective and their needs being flexible work arrangements and purpose, for sure. Uh, I think there is a higher focus on wellness as well that came out of COVID. So more uh, recognition of their health and how they're doing, particularly on the mental health side. So I think I think um, you know the higher prominence of mental health brings huge challenges, but it also takes away some of the stigma. There's more and more people and more and more people that they know are going through mental health challenges. And I think that's that's positive to be in that place. Um, but the other thing that happened through COVID that I think changed things and we're starting to see the change back is everything became very personal. Uh, that a lot of, because you're at home and you're isolated, you're disconnected from purpose, disconnected from that and everything was about you. And so it, it did create a bit of a culture where everything was about, you know, themselves, right? We're kind of, we're all looking in the mirror. And and that's not great, right? Because it's not good for mental health. It's not good for uh, trying to moving forward as well. So I saw that change. And now the uh, objectives of organizations like ours is to bring people out of that context and recognizing that they're part of a bigger objective here, the important part of that. And uh, so that's part of the resetting and moving forward is kind of that reconnection. We talk about employee engagement, it's really employee re-engagement right now. Yeah. And to go beyond, you know, we're, everything's bigger than just ourselves, right? So that's what I speak to on that in terms of the change.
0: That's awesome. My final question is, what do people want from their jobs right now? But I think we've covered that. So I'm going to move to my last, last question. Who are two or three people who influenced you and how did they impact your life?
1: Uh, Dave Johnson, for sure. Uh, I've known him for for 23 years and uh, he is an awesome role model. So that I could never live up to, by the way. (laughs) So (laughs) um, he is, you know, I'm the lesser Dave at Johnson Group. (laughs) I, I admit that. I know that. I'm okay with that. I'm the lesser Dave. So, But he's, he's been a great mentor for me. And I just love the way he thinks. Um, there's another individual I'm going to cite as well, who is my absolute hero. And his name is Strini Reddy. And Strini Reddy is a community uh, champion here in Winnipeg that spent a lot of time from South Africa originally. He's a school superintendent by trade, and he was school superintendent in northern Manitoba in a number of different areas. He has a very strong relationship with the Indigenous community. And I've never met a more selfless individual. And as an example, we're just working with him on an initiative now where the uh, First Nations, particularly island First Nations that are so remote are phoning him to say, Strini, can you help us get some clothing? We need winter boots. Can you help us get, we're trying to do recreation. Can I get a couple of canoes? Cause we're on a lake and you know, kids need something to do. And so he would go and he'd try to find these things and he'd send them up, uh, send them up North. And so we're working with him now to be able to provide some resources. We just hosted a family uh, that came down from the First Nations that wanted to buy um, uh, toys for all the children on the First Nations. And they were looking for any help that they can get with that. So we sent some of our staff down to the Toys R Us where they came and, uh, and we paid for all the toys as, as part of it. But a big part of this initiative is we want to get to know these communities. Uh, we want to know them, uh, we want to know what they're up mm-hmm. against. We want to know who they are. And as part of reconciliation, I think that understanding, not only helping, but getting to know the people that, that you are helping uh, and creating that relationship is what we're trying to do. So now we're trying to bring in uh, some schools into that as well. And But that all comes from Streeny Reddy, absolutely my hero. And uh, he's just been a wonderful uh, mentor for me.
0: Wow. Dave Angus, president of Johnston Group. What an incredible resource you have become for us today. The whole purpose of this Mental Health for Performance podcast is to help people create environments where people can thrive, achieve, and want to stay. And this whole conversation has led us to exactly that. So many tools, ways, and thought processes that you guys have gone through that we can learn from. Dave, your humility and and realness, even as the president of an organization as big as Johnston Group, is refreshing. And just from our short time together, I feel like if anyone's collaborative in a leadership position, it is you. So thanks again for joining us. And a huge thanks to Pinnacle, your recruitment firm that has been proudly on the job for over 20 years, for making this episode happen at all. Hey, you can dig even deeper into some resources that accompany this latest episode of Mental Health for Performance at www.doctortoogood.com. I'm Michelle Sawatsky Coop. We'll talk to you again soon.